Welcome to the Motivation Movement. This eight-part series will take place over the next four weeks and is designed to bring you high-level conversations about what it actually looks like to embody advanced energetics in your life and business. Join me as I explore the concept of motivation, alignment, and momentum with my team and a panel of incredibly embodied individuals who are living what they teach. These conversations are the definition of noteworthy, so please grab a pen, grab a notebook, make yourself comfortable, and let's get lost in this conversation together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Energetics of Everything podcast. I am absolutely delighted to be on this conversation today with Catherine Catherine is a four, six ego manifester that I connected with divinely online a couple of years ago, and we've been close friends and in and out of each other's worlds ever since then. She's done some incredible work with human design, with gene keys, with tarot, and with even the Akashic records. I've seen you explore some of that as well. Today, she's going to be discussing need motivation, which is hers. And I'm really excited about this because like I just mentioned before I started recording, you and I both share the view of wanting, the sense of judgment, and then I have a fear motivation and you have need motivation. And those are opposites. There's this need to fear binary that we're working with. And I'm just so curious to be able to compare and contrast the sense of judgment, that view of wanting, and really zone in on what the difference is between taking aligned action from need for you and for me taking aligned action from fear. So I'm excited for this. Catherine, thank you for being here. How are you doing today? Thank you for inviting me. I am doing pretty good. I am excited to have this conversation because I feel like I've really, really been trying to figure it out recently, (laughs) more so than others or not figure it out, but just master it, get control over what this Mm -hmm. is. Contemplating Um, at another level. I feel like I've been super transferred into fear a lot, especially as the rooftop thing over the last six months has really just sped up. So that's been interesting. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Amazing. I've been starting these conversations off by just kind of giving you an open mic to talk about in your perspective and in your experience, what is need motivation and what does that look like? What does that feel like for you? Okay. So I'll be honest with you. The motivation side of things is probably like the variables and the colors and all that stuff is probably my least explored topic in a book or lecture or course, like a conventional way of study, I suppose you could say for all the listeners, if you are someone who knows what that is by the book, I don't. (laughs) So what I say might vary, but I think that's also like probably my number one thing is what you read and how you experience it in your life may be two different things. And just to really expand and get curious for me, getting curious, particularly about my motivation and about fear has been key for me. What I see need as really is a hierarchy of needs. What do I need? So often when I find myself transferring into fear, I'm trying to get to that very top of the pyramid before I have the other layers established. Mm. For me, it's like, do I have my basic needs met? If my basic needs aren't met, nothing else can happen. I have to have that foundation first, and then I can build off of it. 
it's not getting bogged down in the what ifs, which I have hanging gate 47 in my unconscious earth. So pretty much all the time I'm focused on the what ifs. I have a completely open head center, undefined route, like all the pressure. And so need is like, this isn't important. It's the ability to know what's important in the present moment. It's important to know that need is in the present moment. It's not in the future Mm -hmm. for me need motivation and learning to identify what that is really a practice in mindfulness. It's just basic needs. Can I pay my bills? Do I have food in my fridge? Basic stuff and anything else is extra all the way to when I'm creating something or if I'm making an offer in business, it's like, I don't need to like have all these extra bells and whistles. What absolutely needs to happen for the purpose or the intent to get across. And also when it comes to pricing, what do I need to survive? What do my clients need? Thinking outside of that and not focusing on all of the extra stuff and knowing that extra stuff's going to come through regardless. Cause you have the foundation established. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. that's kind of how I see it is. Yeah. yeah. It's simple. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that I love that need is synonymous with the four line color. So it's the fourth line color that we're looking at here. I kind of see that here as well, where you might be leaning on your network. You might be leaning on the people around you to build that foundation of like, if I'm going to share this, what do I need in order to share this? What is necessary? You're making sure that that foundation of, I see the pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. But can I say something about that? So it's interesting that you said that. And I I think you said it because you have an undefined G center, because this is something I'm learning, but you said relying on my network. If you put your needs in the hands of other people like that, I can tell you the number one way that I've gotten hurt in life and also ruined for relationships, ruined my network is when I started looking to other people and my network to fulfill my needs. It's kind of totally weird because I am a fourth line too. It's it's my natural go-to almost to seek that from other people. But I found that once I stopped doing that, once I center myself and decenter everyone else, the people in my network naturally have what I need or can connect me to what I need, but it's never the person I think it is. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's, I have 26, but not 44. I don't know if it's my undefined G center. I don't know if it's a universal lesson and there's a deeper meaning here. (laughs) I've just found that every time I get hurt, it's because I'm attached to the people in my life and what I think I'm going to be able to get from them. But when I go, no, I can fulfill my own needs. I can fill my own cup. I'm capable of doing these things. The people just present themselves. And all of a sudden it is exactly what I need. So I just found it interesting that you said that. Cause I was like, Oh, <laughs> I have learned many a lesson about this exact thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think that might be like, I definitely see that as the need motivation. If you're taking action and your actions are motivated and you're connected with this, It's because you're motivated to making sure that your needs are met, regardless of what's happening around you. That's my transferred motivation. Whenever I'm in that energy of, I need to make sure that all of the details are taken care of, 
It's almost like it puts me immediately into this energy of trying to control things and trying to make sure that I've gotten everything done. For me, I'll almost put a list of necessities between me and just taking the leap of faith and taking the action that I want to take. It'll be like, I should have checked on this. I need to do this. I need to do that. So you were mentioning with your notifications going off, my fear motivation, I would be totally afraid of that notification going off. But for me, the transferred motivation would be almost like the guilt of I need to have this off and then identifying with, of course, if I don't have my notifications turned off, what does that mean about me? And it kind of just spirals. But when I'm in the energy of fear, it's different. I can see that difference there. And I think need to has almost this ego trip about it. What we think we need and what we actually need can be two different things. Anytime I'm doing something because I think I need it or I think it needs to get done, Sometimes what I need is to take care of the little details. Need and fear. It's an interesting thing. Sometimes what I need is what I think I need is, I don't know, to do one thing, but what I really need to do is turn everything off and go to bed early. And, but also it can come across to other people hold a little bit because sometimes there's chaos. I know what people want me to do is be there or deal with it. But what I need is to completely detach and go do something else and pretend like it's not happening and not even be concerned with it. It's interesting. The example I'm wanting to talk about is say your husband or your dad or someone you love is like in the hospital. To me, need motivation is like immediate things. What can I do right now? So I would be like, can I go get anyone food? Does anyone need anything from the store? Or it would be me being like, yeah, I can't be here. I need to be somewhere else doing something else. Need can be self-care in my opinion. Versus fear motivation, you might be like super involved and planning three weeks from now. Well, in three weeks, when this person comes home from the hospital, they're going to need all these things. You're way far ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you might come across as more available to other people and their needs. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, I had an experience a couple of months ago where I went back it's not really home because my mom and my siblings moved, (laughs) but I went to Colorado to be near family because my grandfather was in the hospital. The immediate things were handled. And of course I'm thinking like, okay, what is the long-term care that they need? And emotionally, how is this going to affect you? He's 87. And so he's nearing the end of his life. And I'm thinking my biggest fear is that we are going to handle this situation by just responding to the things that we are immediately seeing and we're going to miss the bigger picture. That's the fear is what if we're missing the bigger picture for you, you need to focus on what's necessary, what needs to happen because both of those things need to be taken care of. It's necessary to have the immediate needs met, but it's also necessary to have the fear of not being prepared. I feel like everyone has an, I'm going to be late for the airport dream. (laughs) And mine specifically is like, I am not ready. I have not packed my stuff. I woke up, I'm naked. I'm just trying to pack my bag and the people are here and they're ready to go. The fear motivation is genuinely like I am unprepared and I should have prepared for this sooner. That's what gets me ready to take action for things. I love that there's also a group of people that is designed to, and is so much more aligned with focusing on those momentary needs. 
well, yeah. And like fear serves need, right? But sometimes the momentary needs, sometimes I don't think about things that I should be thinking about. And then they hit me and I'm like, oh God, the crisis. But it's interesting how for me, I think when I transfer into fear, it can be all consuming, but what it does is it resets me in a way. It's almost like, oh, I'm transferred because I was not like maybe fully with it and I needed to be jolted. And okay, now what do I need to do? How do I get out of this? Laser focus in the moment, Mm -hmm. cut, take everything away that doesn't need to be here and just one step at a time. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think with the need motivation, probably how you're able to switch out of that transference is kind of coming back to your space and reminding yourself that if you're always taking care of your immediate needs, then your immediate needs are always met. If there's a bigger problem, if something needs to happen, it will be a made apparent and it will kind of come to you to be dealt with in that present moment. Yeah. Yeah. If my needs aren't being met, because it's one thing to just go, yeah, all my needs are met, but sometimes we think that we try and will that to happen, but it doesn't happen. Yeah. And so when that happens to me, it's like, wait a minute, where am I off? Because my needs should always be met. <laughs> and where do I need to change? What do I need to shift? What's not working to even tie in wanting view? It's like, what's missing from this picture? Exactly. <laughs> okay. How can I go about bringing that in? to the picture and even judgment sense. Like we were saying, we both share that when I start to feel, I don't know how to explain it, but I just start to get this feeling. It's like an icky feeling sometimes in my body. And when I start to feel that, and then it usually leads to me being angry, I can pause and think about, okay, what do I need? What's missing? What's going on? How do I attend to this? What do I need to do right now to shift that? Yeah. I love that. I'm not defined emotionally. So then there's this whole other aspect of, am I just avoiding things or (laughs) do I have feelings I need to feel? (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious how I feel like your tribal circuitry probably plays because you have a lot of tribal circuitry and the single channel that you have defined in your chart is on this tribal ego circuitry, that 2145. I'm just curious how you feel like you're heavy tribal energy plus also having that four line conscious profile. How do you think that has played into or affected this need motivation? Yeah, really. I think it causes me to be a little bit more ethical. For example, I won't do something unless I can do it properly. I consider what other people need in the equation. And so if I can't meet those needs, if I can't give them what they need or adequately compensate or show up for or anything in a way that's appropriate and respectful. Cause to me, that's what it is. Basic needs are, what do you need right now in the moment? How do you feel full? How do you feel satisfied? How do I not leave anything out? How do I not leave you wanting something? So if I can't do it, if I can't meet the needs, I just won't do it. It just might slow down the process in some regards, but for me, I definitely consider the other person heavily. And I don't necessarily understand how other people don't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think I can focus because I can see the disconnect so glaringly when needs aren't met. For example, the state of just existing in the world today, honestly, is really hard (laughs) as a tribal need motivation 
person, it's like, oh my God, mm-hmm. what is going on? The foundation is crumbling. It's not there. What's happening? And I think it can be hard because I can see what is missing from the equation so clearly. I just don't understand why we can't fix it. Especially if I can't fix it, if I can see what the problem is and I can know it would solve every other issue because to me, need is the bottom of the pyramid for looking at that hierarchy. Need is base level. So naturally, if you fix the ground, everything else will be better or easier to fix. If I can't fix it, it is like shameful to me. When I tell you that there are like certain things that I haven't been able to do, and I don't know, maybe this is fear too. I either can't do it or I feel like I'm behind. Mm-hmm. It's like the worst thing. It's so embarrassing. And other people may be like, Heather, it's really not that big of a deal, but I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> like, it's the biggest deal. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely that fear transference for you. Is that like, oh my gosh, I'm behind my nightmare of oh my God, I just woke up. I'm naked. I need to be at the airport in half an hour and I haven't packed yet. (laughs) It's the epitome of I am not prepared. I am behind and I need to be going faster. For me, I will instantly in that high stress situation, I will revert to what needs to be done. That's my stress response almost is like what needs to be done. I'll get really graspy on that, but it's really because I'm not acknowledging what I'm afraid of. That's how I ignore my actual fears because if I acknowledge my fears, I'm able to work with that energy and I'm able to gain clarity and build that motivation. But if I am afraid of the fear and pushing it off, like, no, now is not a time to be anxious. I need to just figure this out. I will get into that, putting my blinders on, not look at the big picture and only try and take care of what's in front of me. And that will just lead to more frustration. It will ultimately lead to more frustration if I am just focusing on the things that are right in front of me, which I think is just, it's so fun to have a conversation where you feel differently when you're in the energy of need. Yeah. You would allow yourself like a full day to feel your fear or like cry or whatever you have to do versus me. I have a five minute rule. Like (laughs) not allowed to be upset over something for more than five minutes. That's subjective, obviously. But in most cases, I really try and be like, okay, you have five minutes to freak out about this. And then we have to like do what needs to be done. You can't waste any more time reveling in that because I will absolutely I have wasted so much time where you say fear builds your motivation and almost build your energy up. That is the quickest way to get me to be just useless. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about it. Let's dive into that. What does it feel like to be in fear? What's your experience with that transference? It's like dissociative. I will just lay locked, staring at my computer or my phone or the wall. And it's just my mind constantly. Like, I think it's been five minutes, but it's been four hours and it's straight up dissociative. That's the only way I know how to explain it. It has truly consumed me for the last six months. And I kind of feel like I'm slowly on the other side of it now. That was how I really keyed into the whole relying on other people thing. Cause I think when I'm coming from fear, I seek outside of myself more or I just spew my stuff onto other people and expect them to emotionally handle me. People don't usually like that. It's so interesting. This actually is literally coming to my, I'm figuring this out right now with you. 
on Zoom because I go through these periods of time where I'm really connected to my processes, right? Meditating and journaling and tarot. And I think that when I start to rely too much on those things, or sometimes when I start paying other people for things like readings and things like that, I usually never really need it. It's always, <laughs> I'm afraid that I'm wrong yeah. or I can't trust myself. That's really interesting now that I think about that, because that isn't a way of relying on something outside of myself. It might not even be a person. It might just be me shuffling my tarot, asking the same question six times mm-hmm. every day or like once a day for a whole week. Kevin, come on, really? Mm-hmm. It feels clingy. Fear feels clingy to me. It feels just dissociative, almost depressive just absolutely all consuming. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm learning so much right now. <laughs> so for you being in that energy of fear essentially triggers your fight or flight response where it's freeze is what it sounds like where you'll freeze, you'll kind of disassociate. And I think that for you, it probably just, it feels overwhelming to think about all of the fears and all of the potential things that could go wrong and get lost in that big picture energy. Waiting to the worst case scenario. For example, probably since March, middle of March, I just haven't been able to breathe. No one can figure out why it's been a whole thing. I rationally think it's probably my thyroid and I need to go get it tested Mm -hmm. immediately. Where does my brain go? It's heart failure. It's heart (laughs) failure. A normal person doesn't think that way. (laughs) Is that probably, is that what happened? No, it's definitely not what's happening. You've been to the doctor and they've ruled that out. Something you gave me too. And I don't even know if you realize you did it, but I still say it to myself all the time. When I start to freak out about things, I think it was around Thanksgiving when I called you about something, I was freaking out about something. You were just like, Catherine, let someone define your spleen for you. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's a great fear for me lately has been coming up about my body. Yeah. Because all of a sudden I feel like I'm connected to my physical body for the first time in 30 years. And I don't like the way it feels or looks or how I've treated it and all these things. That's something I keep telling myself all the time. Like, Catherine, just let someone else define this for you. You don't need to freak out. That's an interesting approach to human design from a need motivation perspective. You don't have to live in that not self. Just let someone else tell you about it. (laughs) That's everything that I've learned about my undefined G center is letting other people tell me who I am, not in a disempowering way, but it's really looking at the reflections of who I am Mm from the lenses of other people, I don't have to define who I am. I do not have to figure out sitting here and trying to think forward and say, this is the kind of business owner that I want to be. This is the impact that I want to have. I cannot connect with that vision of who I want to be. And so instead of searching for that, whenever I'm afraid of, I can't figure out who I am, I come back to well, who are you right now to the people around you? What's the reflection that you're getting? So I'll go around, I'll hop into my team chat. There's to find G centers in there and I'll get to see my reflection back to me. Whenever I'm in that non-self, my husband has a defined head center. So I will go to him and talk things out to get a consistent energy, uh, a consistent way to ask questions and figure things out. With that splenic center, I have somebody on my team who has an undefined splenic center. And when those fears pop up, we can just have a conversation around it. My defined spleen can provide her with, I can define the safety. I can say, this is what we're doing. These are the steps that's like not your responsibility. We can take that pressure off of you. I'm able to give her that clarity. I find clarity in 
the reflections that I get around my identity from other people. I think that it's, we're all being conditioned all the time. And I think it comes back to, we're all being conditioned all of the time. Conditioning itself is existence. It is not a bad thing. It's the attachments that we have. So if we are holding onto stories and we are holding onto certain attachments, we're going to consistently attract those things. But we also get to use the definition and use the conditioning from other people because our undefined centers are what we're here to learn about. If we're learning about it from other people, you have to look in your undefined centers to other people from a space of empowerment. So if you're looking for other people to make you feel safer with your fear motivation, you're looking for them to give you something, or you can say, I am a sovereign being and I'm choosing and I'm taking control of my own life here. And I'm deciding that I do not have to be afraid of this. What do I need right now? And you might be drawn to the needs that you have and certain people who can support you in not feeling that fear, but it's still you using your design and your undefined centers. Since you don't generate it yourself, use your environment, use the people around you, learn about that. If it's coming up for you and it's something that if it's present for you, you may as well explore it. So Yeah, I love that. I love that you're using that little piece of information and you let other people define your spleen for you. And I hope that took the pressure off of needing to create an answer. I hope you receive a lot from letting other people define your spleen for you. Yeah. And even getting curious about it too, like, okay, I can see I'm in fear. So I just need to let someone else handle this, but then going, okay, but why am I afraid of this? Am I afraid of the answer? What do I think is going to happen There's usually some feeling tied to that too. Like, why am I afraid of this answer? Am I ashamed? Am I embarrassed? Is it because I feel like I'm going to upset someone else exploring the fear? Whereas you, it sounds like you're saying you dip into need and what do I need to do right now in the moment um, to get yourself back into fear almost? For me, I need to explore this fear just a little bit, but not from an attached place, just a surface level. Need feels very objective. It's honest. There's no illusion there. It's right in your face. Mm -hmm. And so when I kind of look at things that way and almost take that approach to myself, I don't know. I learn a lot. Kind of funny. I learned a lot of things about myself and why I feel certain things and silly things I'm afraid of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have to go all the way into the fear and it's kind of two-sided on one side. I have to put myself in the worst case scenario And trust that even if the worst case scenario happens, I have nothing to genuinely be afraid of because I can still rely on myself in that situation. I can kind of take the power away as a business owner, obviously a big fear of mine. Now that my husband has left his position, I have me, my family members, team members all relying on this. Of course, there's a fear that one month or one day, everything is just going to collapse and it's all going to go away. I get to come into a space of genuine empowerment and realize that one, I make risky decisions and I get to be proud of the risky decisions that I make because they lead me to places that I wouldn't have gone if I stayed in my comfort zone. It also shows me that the things that I want are constantly outside of my comfort zone. And it's almost an empowering sense of, I get to be brave because even though I'm afraid I'm taking action anyways, For me, that's motivating and that's so empowering to say, I'm going on this journey and a whole bunch of things could go wrong and I'm still going to do it anyways, even though I'm afraid and taking action from there versus if I get really bogged down in, okay, I am afraid that all of these bad things are going to happen. What do I need to do to make sure that they don't happen? 
that's where I will start to get attached to, um, I need to have this whole list. And I know I'm in need when I start making to-do lists, but I'm like, I just need to write down everything that I need to get done. And I will write out a whole to-do list for an entire program launch or an entire month or something. I'll get this entire list of things that I think are necessary. And I'm like, if I just got all of these things done, then I wouldn't be afraid. I have to acknowledge that I'm going to be afraid no matter what. I'm going to be terrified. I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to be afraid no matter what, because that first line motivation, that one line, it's investigating, it's starting something new. For me, it genuinely feels like I am motivated constantly to just go outside of my comfort zone. And if I recognize like, I'm afraid of this because it's outside of my comfort zone, I actually get to see that the worst case scenario, a bad thing that might happen is not what I'm afraid of. I'm just afraid of taking this action as soon as I can recognize I'm afraid of doing this, then I can take that power back and say, cool, I'm afraid and I'm going to do it anyways. That's where it becomes empowering. So it's so interesting that for you, that's your density and that's that discomfort. Yeah. And it's interesting because you said, what do I need to do? Acknowledging that transference, but it's still kind of focused on fear. Like, what do I need to do to prevent this one thing from happening? (laughs) Versus I feel like when I go into fear, it's a fear that the floor, like literally physically underneath me right now is going to just vanish. My fear is never, like, I guess it can be future focused. I worry about irrelevant details all the time. Like, oh, okay. But then if this happens and if this goes right, and then this goes right, what am I going to do way down there? But a lot of the times it's, I have something, especially if everything's going well, if all needs are met, everything's good. I'm feeling great. I have what I need. I feel supported. I feel healthy. I feel all these things. That's when it starts going, when's the other shoe going to drop? When's the bottom going to fall out of this? I will almost make it happen (laughs) because all of a sudden then I'm messing with things that don't need to be messed with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I love that. That's so cool. What else do I want to talk about? Do you want to talk about your motivation and manifestation? Cause I about this often. Yes, absolutely. I would love to hear your thoughts on motivation and manifestation. I feel like the last six months of my life, I've completely, I've been living by so many definitions that haven't felt, they weren't actually me, what I thought they were, what I thought I was. And it led me to like, pretty much put a pause on everything, go get a corporate job again that I haven't worked in seven years and kind of re-enter this phase of life that I used to be in contemplating that it's an interesting, a lot of people in my network have had a lot of different things to say about it. And in a way I didn't put those blinders on like, Nope, what do I need to do to make this happen? I made things take way longer than they needed to, because I wasn't focused on what I needed. It's kind of made me realize that I've never been able to be someone who, I don't know, you take any course or any person's manifestation, like how to, or even just, you see what other people are doing and you kind of take that on as yourself, but I've never been someone who's like, I can't get behind like grandiose numbers and I can't get behind that long-term vision. Almost people manifest and they have their vision board and it's like that really big house and the check with a million dollars on it and all this stuff. I physically can't get behind it. It Mm -hmm. never works. And then I'm always 
angry and it almost makes me go backwards. When I try and live from that place, things get worse. It's so (laughs) strange. I realized I'm like, Kevin, need motivation. You don't need a million dollars right now. The moment that you need a million dollars, you'll have it. You don't need it right now. And it's caused me to just completely do things so differently and realize that I have to redefine my own definition of what success is, of what stability is, of pretty much everything. Because I've been so blind to just how transferred I've been in that way because it's not true fear, right? I don't feel terrified. I'm actually coming from a place of desire. It is a place of my money line. Like it's so funny because I've been like, this is what the ego manifester is. And I've been kind of living from that place, but it's like, no, not for you. It will be you. But when you project it into the future, it doesn't work. You have to be here in the moment. So what does the ego manifestor need right now? That's been really interesting to me because it took me a really long time to figure out. (laughs) I'm really glad I did. And now that I have, all of a sudden I feel that line four come alive again too for a while. And I don't know if that's, that's being a four, six, there was probably a good year and a half where my fourth line was like useless, just didn't exist. Things that my network were giving me wasn't working. People were moving. People were physically left my life. And I thought I was broken, but then I started making these shifts. And now all of a sudden I found a company I'm at and my old network from that previous lifetime, I call it, gave me references to get me on this company. Turns out old team members from that job are now team members here now. It's just the strangest thing. And people are coming into my life that know someone that knows someone that knows someone in the most bizarre ways. I'm like, oh yeah, that fourth line's alive again. It's interesting to me because I feel like I was just transferred for so long, but it wasn't traditional fear. So I didn't even recognize it Mm -hmm. because fear is also like having more than enough versus need is just having what you need. (laughs) Yeah. I left my nursing job and that fear of burning the boats that works for me. (laughs) If I don't have another option, I can work with that pressure. For you, you're finding that as soon as you found a corporate job again, and you went back to a community and a network and a position that you had been trying to step away from, but you took the steps necessary to give yourself what you needed. And now things are starting to open up that space where you were maybe trying to burn the boats before you were moving out your floor. And that's the fear is your floor is going to be gone. And so what's necessary for you is to make sure that that floor is still there. The basic foundation of what you need is still present. Yeah. Oh yeah. You hear that all the time too. Leap before you're ready and all these things. And it's the fourth line color too. So it's like, no, no, you can't, you can't jump shit before that next thing is there. But you know, sometimes, and maybe this is how I'm reframing it. I would say probably two years ago, I jumped ship before on certain things before the next opportunity came because I physically couldn't be in that environment anymore. I completely just left because it was really ultimately what I needed. Maybe what I tangibly needed hadn't come yet, wasn't in the picture yet, but emotionally and mentally and needed it. And I free fell for a while. Eventually I landed on a pillow and it was good, but it still wasn't great. Once that was established, it became quickly that the floor was not really solid. And I tried to just 
build a foundation off of something that wasn't super solid mm-hmm. and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So finally I said, Hey, you have to change completely. Burn it, burn <laughs> it down. At the same time, there are ways in which I was still a little picky. You know what I mean? Cause I feel like sometimes maybe it's easy to get need confused with settling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that's been another thing I've been kind of exploring is it's like, okay, you need to do something, you need a foundation, you need to feel supported. For me, it was like, I don't want to feel like I'm forcing something or just doing something because the floor is falling out. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go back over here. My fear was like, oh, I'm not going to have energy. I'm going to be working 10 hours a day or whatever. I'm not going to have energy Monday through Friday. I have all this time off right now. Yes, I have all this time off right now, but I'm so destabilized that I can't enjoy it. So now my fear is I'm not going to have energy. Kind of look what you said. I'm always going to be afraid of something, but I really was like, okay, so what do I need so that I have energy? And I kind of went from there. So I'm like, okay, I'm going back over here. COVID happened. And so now everything's remote. So I'm not going to settle all the people in my life who had opinions about this, me finding a job and moving and all this stuff. My dad said to me, I love him. I love him so much. I love him so much, but I just was just appalled almost that he said it to me, but I understand where he's coming from. He was like, you know, you might have to just go work at big Y and who knows, maybe you'll become the manager of big Y. And I was like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but like, no, no, there's so many more options available to me. I knew that I didn't want to settle for certain things. I knew what I wanted. I knew the salary I wanted. I knew the job that I wanted. I knew the things I need and want. And I also was like, no, it's going to be work from home. I refuse. I refuse to go work out in the real world. Mm-hmm. I physically can't do it anymore. Yeah. I'm going to be in my little bubble. My dad, you're being stubborn. You're being stubborn. Who knows what this opportunity could lead to just accept anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> Because that feels a little fear too. You know what I mean? He's fear motivation. So he was like, you can't be up the creek without a paddle. You have to do something. And I was like, no, that's terrible advice. I mean, it's good advice for you, maybe, but for me, I'm not going to do it. I really didn't settle. There are certain things where I was like, I'm not budging on this. And I eventually just stopped applying for jobs. I was probably looking for jobs for like, three and a half months. So if anyone's listening to this and also struggling with that, because I know my experience has not been very common, don't settle. It's just the world right now. Everything is just so chaotic. I just stopped. I think probably in the beginning of May, I was like, you know what? I've applied to 150 jobs and I've gotten two interviews and this is just not working. So I'm going to move on versus my parents who have fear motivation and some other friends who I know who have I have a lot of fear motivation in my life, actually, which is really interesting, but they were all like, it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. That is very fear to me too. Just cast a wide net so that you scoop up everything around you. I was like, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to walk away from this. And that was an interesting manifestor lesson too. When you remove your energy from things, they start to move. (laughs) So I just completely stopped and walked away. Maybe it was like the middle of May because then I had other things going on that I just focused my energy on instead. Then all of a sudden one domino after the other started to fall. And 
I got everything I said I wasn't going to settle for anything less. Yeah. I remember being on that call and you're like, oh, I think I just got a job off. <laughs> yeah. So fell into your lap. Yeah. It fell into my lap. And like I said, I'm working with people that I worked with like seven years ago that I didn't realize worked there. There's just a lot of very interesting synchronicities. I'm like, hmm, interesting. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the questions that I am trying to ask everybody on these calls, and this is probably my emotional authority coming in, but are there certain sensations and like locations in your body that you feel the energy of need and you feel the energy of fear? Mm. Yeah. Need is definitely root to me. Need is is grounded. Need is connected. It's slow. It's steady. It's not frantic fears like in my gut I think mm-hmm. they both feel lower to me they don't feel like way up here you know what I mean they yeah. both feel lower to me but fears a little more in my gut it will creep up into my throat it will kind of make <laughs> me sick it's acidic mm. and need is very grounded and it's clear I just feel centered and solid and lighter too. Mm-hmm. When I'm in fear, I feel like I get, I look heavier. I look more dense. I look more tired. There's no light in my eyes, but when I'm grounded and in need, I feel like I look like a different person. That's so interesting. I love that it's connected to your root center. So for me, need feels like someone who's like pushing on my shoulders, pushing me down Mm. and fear very similar. It's in that gut area, but you said it's aesthetic. And for me, and I've been able to visualize really beautiful meditations connecting with this energy. I've been working with my fear motivation a lot last couple of months, but I can almost feel it as like the breath of fire is what it feels like. You said it creeps up into your throat and feels acidic. And for me, it's like, I have all of this energy that's brewing inside of me and it's going to come out of me in like this breath of fire is what it feels like to me. So it's interesting that it's a similar sensation, but still a different experience. This is acidic in your throat versus for me. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) Ooh, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. And it's almost like there's more power behind my breath and my voice. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting. So yeah. Weird that that's a similar sensation. I love that. You said it feels like someone's pushing you down versus need for me. It doesn't feel like I'm being pushed. It just, yeah. it just feel anchored. You feel anchored. Like, I feel connected to everything around me. I can see yeah. my connection to everything around me versus it feels like someone's trying to force me to like, yeah, be here. you know what I mean? That's been a huge theme with these conversations is like an energy of disconnect or disassociation when you're in that transference. Whereas when you're in your actual motivation, I'm seeing this theme of people saying that they are connected. They feel connected with the project that they're working on, their network. Things happen a lot quicker. For me, it's like being in the front of your energy versus being in the back of your energy almost. Mm -hmm. Um, You're connected, you're present versus you're in that shadow, you're pulling back in that transferred motivation with that like distance, disassociation, apathy has shown up a lot in like just the language that I've heard. So yeah, very interesting. I'm learning so much. It's interesting to me too, listening to you talk about that kind of made me think about just being a line six. Mm -hmm. And line six need is weird 
because all of a sudden the perspective shifts and you're still in general, just seeing a little bit further out than most people. Yeah. And so sometimes I wonder if what I see as a need is a fear to someone else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or is a speculation on fear to someone else versus me? I'm like, no, I do really think that we need to do this now versus later. Yeah. (laughs) Even though it's something maybe that we won't, we won't feel the impact until later, but I see it as a need right now. Yeah. And I think that that just shows that human design, it's showing us that we're all living in our own little world. Everyone is their own little dimension where we are interpreting things differently. And we can look at the body graph for that. We can look at the variables for this information, but it's this energy of you and I can both have the exact same experience. We can go through physically the exact same experience, but internally we are getting something completely different out of that thing. Two people can watch a movie One person can love it. One person could have an emotional response to it. Someone else could absolutely hate it. We're all experiencing technically the same thing, but we're interpreting it and digesting it differently. Things that you may see as we need to do this now, it may be something super simple, like I'm going to go make sure that we have food. And then for me as a fear motivation, thinking about food, I'm like, obviously we want to make sure food is here, but my brain might think too, I don't want them going home on an empty stomach or trying to find a restaurant late at night or getting home and not having food. We could still be motivated to do the same thing or just our view of it is going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. In the world of business and the offer creation for me, need feels like not having an agenda. Mm -hmm. I'm always someone who's like, what's the purpose of this? When someone asks me like, what's the purpose? What are they getting? What's the agenda to this? I'm like, I don't know. They just get what they need. (laughs) I'm always someone who's just like, I just trust that people get what they need and I don't have an agenda. I wonder, are you the opposite? Do you experience fear in that realm as like, not that you have an agenda in like a manipulative way, just Mm -hmm. that there's an intention for the thing and there's a storyline almost that they're going to follow versus me. I'm like, no, I don't have a clear idea of what you're going to get out of this. I just trust that you're going to get exactly what you need. Or maybe that's another part of my chart that causes me to do that. But I almost feel like I don't want to have to explain it. I don't want to have to justify it. I just don't care to do any of that. I don't understand why it matters. Like, (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That does make sense. I'll just kind of explore this out loud. I'll think this mm-hmm. through out loud and we'll riff on it. We'll see how this goes. So thinking about the business academy that I'm currently making, this has been something, and of course, like my profile is showing up here where I think there is a fear, actually. The fear for this program pretty much stemmed from the fear of It was pretty much SSCC because I had the vision for what that was going to look like. I knew the type of people that I wanted to attract. And when I did the business specific content, I was creating with the intention of talking to people who had an established business coaching practice and teaching them how to use human design with their coaching clients. Some of the feedback that I got since I ended up attracting a lot of people who are looking to build a human design business from the ground up was that the information wasn't quite exactly what they needed. There's a fear of, I know this information and a fear would be knowing this information, not sharing it or knowing this information and being able to provide this information in coaching settings, but then having the course or the offer that I have 
not match my content almost. So I guess the fear is that someone's going to come in and interact with my business and not get what I am capable of giving them. That's what it is. Can I say something as someone who yeah. went through SSCC and how <laughs> I actually do see this showing up? You had considered every single learning style and every single variable that any combination that anyone could possibly have and created things for it versus I would never do that. It sounds so bad. It wouldn't even cross my mind. To me, it's like not important. Versus to you, it's so important to have that. It's translating that into why am I creating this? What pain point am I serving and all these things? I'm like, here it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting because my fear motivation, I would not have created nearly as much content for SSCC if I was not a fear motivated person, because I see, especially through human design, the need for personalization, the need for individualization. The fear is that someone's going to go through my container and not get what they need. <laughs> so that transference is kind of there too. It's so interesting. Yeah. I'm really intentional about, I will think through all of the different profiles as I'm putting together resources for SBA. We have all sorts of healer types because I want to offer resources for embodiment. And I'm thinking about that unconscious profile line of like how you connect with your body and integrate that. I think that fear motivation may be making sure that everybody's needs are met because that underlying fear is that someone is going to be missed. It almost pushes me to provide the needs for everybody instead of going into what do I need right now? Yeah. It like serves the other. Yeah. Yeah. It serves the needs of the other versus I feel like when I'm acting from need motivation, it's almost like distilling it. I just take all the information. And I'm like, no, this is what's important. Yeah. Or what I feel is important. Maybe it's yeah. not what other people feel is important. Yeah. I would just never, I remember going, logging in and starting with SACC and thinking that, wow, she really thought of everything. This would have never crossed my mind. That's totally fair. I had something else I wanted to say to riff off of that, but I forgot. So yeah, we were talking about redoing some of that content for SSCC because the fear of mine is that people were going through SSCC and not getting what they needed. I've been exploring the different topics and diving deeper into the literature and just very many gen me responding to all of the things. And it's come together into this 12 month embodiment experience in that container. I feel very confident in the fact that I have found the resources that everyone needs to feel very supported inside of that container, but it's very much driven from that fear of someone going through something and someone making that investment and saying, I don't feel like I was taken care of, or I don't feel like my needs were met. So yeah, it is this, I'm afraid of not having thought of everything. <laughs> And it's probably too, human design in general is probably so soothing to your fear, but supportive of that fear motivation. Yeah. It's funny because I say this often, I think, or maybe not as often as I think I do, but I think it often at least that the last, when did you introduce me to human design? A long time ago now, it feels like. Yeah, probably um, like years four, ago. Yeah, I think I'm in like my fourth year if we're timing things, okay. right? I have been absolutely triggered by human design mm -hmm. as a need motivation. Absolutely, in so many ways, triggered by it because there are so many things. There's so many things to focus on and think about and consider. But then also showing up in a business setting 
And I have a line six core wound, that separation thing is huge for me. And so focusing on differentiation to me is so not the point. I finally realized that. And I finally was like, Heather, you cannot focus on that. You cannot create content from that place. You cannot do any of that. One, it's not going to land. It's not going to feel right. And you're going to feel disconnected from it. Also, is that healthy for you? <laughs> you can't do that. I think that's part of what caused me to step back from everything and just go make sure my needs are met while I let everything else sort itself out. Cause I don't even know how to show up sometimes the idea of differentiation and human design in general and catering to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I've also been triggered by the human design world. It's interesting that you experience the triggers that you did with it, with your motivation. So for me, because there's so much information, the fear is that I'm putting something out there and I haven't read something. It's that I'm talking about projectors in general, but there's this lecture out there that I don't have access to, or I didn't know existed that says something that's contradictory to my interpretation of projectors. So it's really this fear of I'm getting it wrong because a lot of human design literature does give this impression that there is a right and a wrong answer. And that is not healthy for me because I'll get into my need motivation of I need to be checking resources and I need to be citing things. I almost went back through all of SSCC and tried to cite everything and create a list of like citations. Yeah, no, I know. Ridiculous. Just have a a PDF, a one page PDF of all the books that you own. Just leave it at that. Like I do. I I think that I have most of my sources cited, but yeah, the fear that's there is because I'm such a responsive learner. I learn things like this. I'm diving deeper into motivation now. And of course I've read it. I've played with it myself. I've talked about it with my clients. I've watched other people experience this, but what if I haven't read something else that's important? Like, what if I'm missing something? It pulls you out of your line too. It pulls me out of my line too. It really can. It can really pull me out of my line too. I was going to say something else on that. It disappeared from my undefined head center. It's so interesting. And I feel like too, fear of what happens when I lean into my line too, almost as well. It's like, okay, I need to cross all my T's and dot my I's and have it cited and make sure I can back it up with knowledge and facts and stuff, even though that's not necessarily the most organic for you that what happens how am I going to handle that there's that fear on the other side that's what's going to happen if I don't do that or how am I going to handle the comment or the email or whatever because people love to comment for me I had to come to that realization too where I was like I can't do discourse I can't have it I'm not the person I think this course is so important I think those are conversations that need to be had I think everyone's perspective matters but I'm not going to have that conversation (laughs) for me. It's like, no, that's irrelevant, which is playing into that tribal thing. There's a part of me that's like, no, everyone needs to feel heard and included. And we're only as strong as our weakest link, but also (laughs) sometimes it's irrelevant. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because human design, you're right about researching and wanting to cite my sources pulls me out of is actually correct for me and finding that bravery and finding that fear motivation. Genuinely, if I'm really being honest with myself, I am less afraid of 
researching something, getting the right answer, making sure that I have all of my sources cited that might temporarily in the moment make me feel like I have what I need. However, the ultimate expression of me and what I am good at and how I operate is not doing that research and is trusting myself with that gate 20 is my conscious earth and 1762, like to find Ajna, my perspective needs to just be shared as my perspective. If I am trying to make sure that I have every piece of information that I need in order to form that perspective, it slows me down from sharing the message that I'm genuinely here to share. The biggest fear is actually just trusting my voice. When I recognize that I'm actually just afraid of trusting my voice, sharing what I want to share. If I do that, the action that I'm actually afraid of that's where I'm motivated. And that's where I can find that like, oh, this is the aligned action for me is doing the thing that I am genuinely afraid of and not taking all of these small actions to avoid doing the thing that I'm actually afraid of. Mm. As well, getting all of that research and getting all of those sources and being able to find quotes from whatever, all of these different places that will make me feel less afraid. Yes. But it is not allowing me to do the thing that I am genuinely afraid of, which is just trusting my voice and just trusting my interpretations and trusting the knowledge that I have without diving into the research. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For me, I feel like when I try and alleviate fears, it's not preventing me from doing that. These focusing on the things that don't matter is not preventing me from doing the thing that scares me. It's more when I'm focusing on need just in the moment. And this is something I try and tell myself like, okay, I'm afraid this is true. I'm afraid this is going to happen. Okay. You know what? Even if it is, you still have to get up tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Oftentimes the thing I'm worried about happening, if it does actually happen by the time it happens, it's really not so big of a deal because I've stopped projecting into the future and I'm just taking care of myself in the moment. I'll cross that bridge when I get there and maybe it won't even be so bad. I wonder to, this is actually something I've been thinking about because we both have that line six. And I have really come to think about the line sixes just being a line one in another dimension. Mm. So I wonder how that fear, listening to you talk about fear and knowing it's a first line color too, but how that plays into how you could not pull yourself out of your second line too, in a way. It's actually that having all the information and all the facts, that new way of being is really just being yourself and trusting the the knowledge that you have inside of you that you just know, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. Really been thinking about that line six is just a line one thing. I love that. I remember reading somewhere that it's helpful for the line six to look at whatever gate is next in the rave mandala, because as you're a six line, it's the energy of completion. I've been thinking of it as like the energy of completion so that something new can begin. So it's interesting that you're seeing it as like the beginning of something. So I'm almost seeing it as the beginning, but the beginning has to start with the end, <laughs> the end of what is currently yeah. happening. I read that the line six, if you look at the next gate, that's essentially what you're preparing for as you're completing what it is that you're completing right now. Isn't you're like getting so, people ready. Yeah. Isn't that so fear versus need though? I'm like, no, we're just a one. We're not focusing <laughs> on the ending. We're just a one. We just behave as if we're a one. And you're like, no, it's in the process of the ending that I have, which is so fear and need yeah. to me. <laughs> you're right. That is. Yeah. You're like, it's, like, it's no, the, the gap. It's here now. <laughs> Like, think ahead. (laughs) 
look what we're moving towards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I love that. Thank you for calling that out. Wow. Or like recognizing that. Yeah. That's very fear versus need. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Until you said that, I would have never <laughs> those dots. Yeah. That's probably why that resonates with me versus you're like, I need that foundation. Lane six is a foundation. Yeah. Cause for me, like when I'm in fear too, even thinking about it that way, I'm always like, when this happens, then I can be this. Or when this happens, then I can feel this. Or when this happens, then I can do this. Then I can do that. It's like, no, you can just do these things now. Yeah. Why does that thing need to happen first? Yeah. Mine is quite literally, I will add things to the right now to avoid connecting to the bigger picture. It's like, I need to get this done and then I can go there. I don't know. Just sharing about a topic that I want to talk about. The need is I have to do the research and then I can have the conversation that I want to have. I'm like, I need to do this before I can do that. When really I don't need to add anything right now. I just have to connect with that bigger picture. And I just need to face my fear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. This has been such an enlightening conversation. Is there anything else on need motivation that you feel like you want to share? Yeah, for me, again, I feel like I've mentioned it before that shame kind of comes up a lot for me or guilt or I don't know where that's from. Human? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I can't pinpoint where or why it just does. For me, embarrassment, all that stuff. For me, focusing on need has really been to stop being embarrassed of what I need in order for me to really embrace need and be honest. Cause again, I do think there's a level of real honesty that has to come with need motivation with yourself, not lying and avoiding the truth. You avoid the future by focusing on the right now. And I feel like I can avoid the right now by focusing on the future. I don't know if I said that right, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, (laughs) and so for me, that level of honesty, I've only been able to achieve that until I release whatever bizarre shame or embarrassment I have around what my needs are and not making it be a failure. The only thing that comes up is I keep thinking about my life recently has just changed so much. And I, I didn't talk about it for so long. I was like, no, I'm not going to share that I'm going back to a normal job or all these things that I feel like before I was like, yeah, trying to like make myself believe in myself (laughs) for whatever reason, shame that comes up for me. The second I started talking about it, do you know how many messages I got from people that were like, thank you so much for saying this. I've recently decided to do this too. I've been super embarrassed about it. Or I'm really afraid that I'm not going to be able to have time for what I love or like all this stuff. And I'm like, no, you have to, regardless of whether you have need motivation or not too, because I think, yes, differentiation is important, but to me, differentiation is only important so that we can learn. Yeah. Live your best life. Do your own thing. I don't really care. It's not about the self and the experience of the self. It's about how we can all learn from each other. Mm-hmm. And if I have need motivation and I'm not speaking from need motivation, and if I'm not communicating in a place that's like, take care of your needs, make sure your needs are met, make sure you have what you need before you do anything else. It's okay for that to look like whatever the way it looks like. Someone might perceive that as limiting because not everyone's designed to work that way. But to me, it's like, no, this is really important. I'm sure half the people that message me don't even have need of motivation. They were just like, thank you so much for saying this because 
I've been feeling this way too. It's something I always tell myself, especially when I'm starting to feel guilty or embarrassed or ashamed of whatever it is I need, even if it causes me to take a step back from what I want, especially as an ego authority. Sometimes what you need and what you want are two different things. And sometimes we have to put the wants on hold because the foundation needs to be there first. Mm -hmm. And if I'm feeling some way, then someone else is feeling that way too. Um, Mm -hmm. That wasn't necessarily about need motivation in general. It just clearly needed to come out. I wonder how much of culture and the things that we see in our culture, I wonder what the collective majority motivation is almost because I feel like sometimes need is so glaringly different than what like culture is promoting. We live in a society that's constantly selling you something. (laughs) Need is so different from that. Need is not consumerism. Mm -hmm. And so if you have need motivation, I think there's a level of guilt around FOMO, but then there's also guilt for actually addressing what you need and having it be different than what you're being given. Release the shame and judgment. Yeah the thing. <laughs> Face the shame and judgment because if this is how you operate most comfortably, then it, your needs are going to be met if you're yeah. prioritizing your needs. And sometimes need is indulgent. It's not black or white. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not black and white. It's soulful. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you one that you have been so honest about your journey with going back to a corporate job because there's such a mentality in the entrepreneurial space that it's almost like, and of course I see a lot of things through my gate 10 as my only mental conditioning gate, but I see this energy of like superiority versus inferiority. Corporate jobs are not inferior. If you can find a healthy and aligned and corporate job, we need people in the service industry. I like coffee. I like going to coffee shops. I need people still working there. And I would prefer if they were also people who were enjoying what they were doing and compensated well. I've been thinking a lot about not everyone wants to be running a multi-million dollar business. That is not the vision for everyone. That's not the lifestyle for everyone. That's not the skill set for everyone. Part of what I see for what's coming next is we have to be creating aligned jobs for everybody because everyone's desired vocation and everyone's desired lifestyle is different right now. I love building my team. I love investing in my team. I love paying people really well. I am perfectly fine taking a much smaller salary than what the revenue of the company actually is so that I can support the people that I want. Of course, I still get to do the things that I want to do in my life. I'm perfectly happy with it. But I also, a big thing of what I want is to contribute to creating a world where other people also get to enjoy the work that they are doing. It's so important to me that we start to showcase and start to see that running an online business or running a company and being the CEO is not a better position than, let's say, working in marketing or working in sales or being a graphic designer or being a midwife or being a doctor, all of these positions are necessary and we're all going to want different things. So I think it's really weird that we have an industry where everybody is essentially going towards and shooting for this goal of I'm going to be running a multi-million dollar company. Yeah. I'm going to run a multi-million dollar business coaching company and just coach business coaches. Yes, that 
it's really aligned for some people. It's so aligned for some people to be business coaches. They're incredible business mentors. It's in their vocation. It's coming from their soul. And then there's the people that are too afraid or whatever it is. They don't have what they need to dive deep into who they are and figure out what it is that they actually want and what their definition of success actually looks like you're sharing that your version of success in your journey does not look like the traditional thing that everyone else is doing. And I absolutely love that. Well, thank you. It's supply and demand too, right? I am a firm believer that the demand is about to shift soon. The supply of what we have is not going to meet the demand. I really truly believe. And that's why, you know, when I was like, no, I'm not going to go do that. When my dad made that suggestion, it wasn't because that's a bad job or a bad place. to be. It was because they cannot supply what I demand. And there are so many structures and systems in the world right now that are not, and it's not that they can't, it's not that half these major companies can't supply what their employees demand. It's that they won't. Change starts from the inside, but we also need people creating new structures entirely. I'll just say this. There is this girl on TikTok. If you're not on TikTok, I don't know what you're doing because it is the future. If you want to see what the future is going to look like, just get on TikTok. But there's this girl that, She has this company. Her name's Madeline Pendleton. I literally want to work for her, but (laughs) I don't think she's hiring. She owns a clothing store. She's like super cool and gothic and just so cool. Do you know who you're talking about? She owns a clothing store and she's like, I make the same exact salary as all my employees. When we have profit at the end of the year, last year I bought everyone a car. Just the way she's doing it because she's realized that the demand is different. I really do believe that that is coming faster than people realize that it's not about supply and demand from a consumerism perspective anymore. You have to meet the demand of the people sustaining your business. Yeah. We need people creating new structures entirely, new businesses, new Starbucks, new big Y's, new naming all East coast things. People probably don't even know what big Y is, but (laughs) we need new structures that are going to both be able to meet the demand of the consumer, but also the employee. But also I think that consumerism is starting to shift. And I think that's going to be a harder one to break, but I do see a world where people are finally like, I understand that Amazon is convenient, but they're so unethical and they don't value their employees and people can't afford to live. They don't, their needs aren't met. They're going to shift. And so, yes, we need these new structures, but we also need people on the inside. We need people on the inside. Like you said, not everyone needs to run this multi-million dollar thing, but also the people, even if you don't, I'm a manifester. So I get the narrative that is told of manifestors and of pretty much anyone who doesn't have a divine sacral center that like you shouldn't be working for someone else. I hear that all the time about manifestors. You shouldn't be working for someone else. I'm like, well, that's how we get paid. (laughs) You know what I mean? Not all manifestors can just jump ship and instantly it doesn't work like that. Especially if you're motivated by need, there's nothing more dysregulating than not having what I need. Yeah. And I can't create from that space. So for me, it was like, I'm going to go over here and do this. And instead of physical energy, I'm now going to be able to funnel money and pay someone else to do all these things. I'm like, Oh, well, I'm not going to have time or energy to do this. Well, someone else can do that for me. And not only can someone else do that for me, I can feel good and make sure that their needs are met. Cause if I were to envision the future and of whatever I'm doing, cause I'm going to be a good manifester. I'm always going to have like four streams of income, please. There will always be a side hustle somewhere. <laughs> I just won't be physically present. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but for me, I want to pay 
my employees when and if I have them. And even if that's online or I decide to go own some store physically somewhere, I want to be able to meet all of my employees' needs so that they don't have to go anywhere else, so that they can solely be focused on me Mm -hmm. and what I'm doing and they can feel good showing up to it. That's the kind of employee I want. Someone who's totally invested, who's buying what I'm selling, but also doesn't need to seek outside of me. I want to be able to provide all of it. I just think you hear everyone's hiring and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, they're all hiring, but they can't find anyone because you're paying $12 an hour and no one can live off of (laughs) Like really what we need to do is have someone new on the inside or just a new structure entirely that is understanding that there's a whole other level of supply and demand. Anyway, that's my rant. Oh yeah. I'm right there with you. (laughs) It's so interesting that everyone is hiring right now. And we have this labor shortage because the whole goal of making more money has been and how companies have done it as they have been pushing people to work, do more in less time. If you keep that base rate (laughs) the same, yes, you can make profit. However, the turnover rates are going to be insane. Right now, people literally cannot hire for the positions. They are constantly understaffed because they refuse to make the change that is necessary to keep employees happy. And the employees in America are not asking for ridiculous things. <laughs> They're asking for maternity leave so that they can recover. The average time after giving birth to come back to work is 10 days. That's insane. 10 days. You're still bleeding. <laughs> yeah. This idea of dysregulation too. What is more dysregulating? And maybe this is time to kind of tapping into fear a little bit too. Like the need would be in the moment. But when you think about the ripple effect of that baby who was only with their mother for 10 days, and now all of a sudden their mom has to go back to work because otherwise there won't be food in the fridge or formula, or she won't be able to eat so she can feed the baby. It's just 10 days is insane. I know that's because paid maternity leave is almost not a thing in the United States and it has to be, (laughs) it has to be. (laughs) So yeah, there was a month in, I think it was December of last year where I had no motivation to do much. It was a slow month. There was hardly any tasks that I was assigning and I was like, okay, I'm pretty much just going to give my team the month off. I didn't have a lot of tasks for them. And I was thinking, I bet other people would stop salaries if they were like thinking about that. I'm like, I'm not going to stop your salary. But then a couple of the girls were talking to me about how it felt weird to be receiving money. And they're like, I don't have anything to do. Am I contributing enough to this to earn what I've been receiving? It's again, that mentality of your worth and what you're able to receive has to be this equal exchange of hours and effort that you've put in. And that's just not true. That's a culture that I'm working so hard to create something different. So yeah, Yeah, we've been conditioned to believe that we're not worthy of having our basic needs met in a world that teaches us that we have to do something to just be able to exist, like do something or prove something, or we're just not worthy of being able to have basic needs. Yeah. Or this is a big story of like, I've exhausted all of my other resources before asking for help. Mm -hmm. And that is not healthy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or like you have to exhaust your resources. Yeah. Yeah. I can't prove that I have tried everything else. I can't ask for help. Yeah. 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 It's coming. It's coming. (laughs) There's a new, there's a new world dawning. It just, feels like a slow and painful death right now, but I don't think it is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, 
we talked a little longer than I anticipated, but that's completely fine. I think that we had an absolutely amazing conversation and I was so grateful to have this opportunity to dive deep into this. And I'm grateful for your time and your presence today. Where on the internet can our listeners come to find you and hang out? Yeah, you can come hang out with me on Instagram. I've pulled pretty much everything off. I'm on Instagram, but I'm taking so much needed time off, keeping with the theme of how do I need to show up and and not being in the space of teaching and differentiation and all those things. If you want to just come see someone living from this place of their human design, that's pretty much all I do right now is I just talk about myself and take you through my flow in this new phase of life that I'm in. So I'm basically on Instagram and that's it. <laughs> I, love it. Um, I always love when people message me and they're like, oh, I have this in my chart that you have. So if you need motivation, if you have any part of my chart, come hang out and say hi, because find your people or if yeah. you just, I don't know. Yeah. I'm on Instagram. It's just my name. And yeah. <laughs> well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us on this conversation today. And anyone who's listening, I will talk to you in the next episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the motivation movement. If you are currently buzzing with inspiration and craving more depth, more support, more examples, and even more conversations similar to this, the sacred success business Academy is the perfect place for you. This is a 12 month high level embodiment experience designed to help you step into the next era of business as an aligned CEO and leader of your team. There's a certain group of people right now who are being called forward to be leaders in their chosen field, but creating the kind of widespread change that the world currently needs can feel overwhelming if you feel like you're in it alone. If you know that your mission is bigger than you, then it's time to release self-doubt, it's time to break down your walls, and it's time to call in the soulful support that your business is craving. This will allow you to amplify your impact and get this work out into the world where it's designed to be. If you're ready to dedicate a full year to creating alignment in your business, I encourage you to check out the Sacred Success Business Academy and then listen to the Aligned Decision-Making Podcast episode to tune into your inner authority and see if this embodiment experience is correct for you. 